Thank you for tuning in to the Educational Leadership Podcast. We are meeting with educational leaders from around the great state of Texas. Hear their stories and gain insights into educational leadership. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining the Educational Leadership Podcast. We have another very special guest, uh, school board member of McKinney ISD, sorry, uh, Richardson ISD, right? That's okay. Eric Eager, and then we have our co-host, Corinne French. Hello, Corinne. Hi, Gary, and good afternoon. Nice to meet you, Eric. Oh, nice to meet both of you. I'm excited to join in here. So Eric, Corinne has heard great things about you. Obviously, I've heard great things about you. We have, we share uh, mutual friends there, uh, but I don't want to steal your thunder. So if you can share a little bit about your background, that'd be awesome. Um, well, real quickly, um, I I guess I'm a serial entrepreneur, but I've been lucky enough to uh, go every, you know, uh, graduate from the University of North Texas. So I've been living in the North Dallas area, Negri. And uh, <laughs> we, um, you know, I went to work uh, in a, a large accounting firm called Ernst & Young and uh, their entrepreneur services group. And then eventually went and, and left and I've started various companies. And the last company was a, technology company, I was able to work with a great team, uh, worked with a, a founder that had a technology vision and we were able to grow it from you know, five or 10 people to an international, we, it, when we left it was in 52 countries and uh, learned a lot along the way. And, um, and uh, you know, was very gifted to understand building teams, innovation, technology, uh, growth mindset. And um, what led me to the school board um, was that 2017, some friends in the community asked um, if I'd consider it. Well, my wife, uh, I was one of those uh, PTA dads, as they refer to it. Um, my wife, heavily involved, um, she was just honored uh, with a lifetime membership of the PTA. And uh, they asked me if I'd serve. And I was like, I'll be glad to help, um, but I'm just a, I'm just a technology guy, you know, I know how to build organizations with people and understand finance and business. Um, and so I ran. Well, I uh, ran 2017 and, um, and subsequently lost <laughs> um, to the future board president. And she's a phenomenal uh, leader of our team, um, Karen Clardy. Um, but it opened my eyes and it opened my eyes to a lot of the challenges in school districts. And, you know, and I was walking around like all, everybody else that I was naive to uh, school finance, school funding. And, um, and it was felt like our, our district would have their hands held, you know, tied between their back, behind their back, as you'd say. Um, because when I, I dove into it and understand school finance before House Bill 3, I was going, it can't be this way. I'm, I'm a finance guy and I want to say I'm the sharpest crayon box, but you know, it can't be this simple that as property taxes go up and then the revenue, you know, the, the proceeds, the tax revenue coming in, the state contribution went down. And Does I it went, make sense? It does go, not make sense. No. I go, this completely makes no sense at all. I had people in the community going, well, I'm, you know, we're paying higher property taxes and this and that. So it opened my eyes to a lot of, of challenges in the school district. So, um, I wasn't one of those people that could turn a blind eye and walk away. And so uh, I just put my hand in, you know, hand up and just point me where I can help. And so 
the district asked me to serve on strategic planning and facilities, um, sixth grade transformation, a lot of areas. And eventually um, timing came up and I, I gave it another go um, to be on the board. And I was uh, lucky enough uh, to serve the community now. So I've been on the board at Richardson about, um, it's been since September 20, uh, which was the best time to go on joining the school board. <laughs> Um, there's you know, nothing else going on in 2020. Um, this, was, so, this was one of, uh, literally one of the hardest years. Um, it probably was to your benefit that you had served on some of those committees before. So you wouldn't like, you decided to go ahead and run because otherwise you might've been like, oh, in, yeah. in the middle of I, this, you would have been like, forget it. So <laughs> I would love to know, you, you touched on this a little bit about um, being um, very, you have extensive leadership background in business. Transferring yeah. that to being a board of oversight. Um, would you have tips to shorten the learning curve for other people like you? Because some people won't be as gracious and they will want to push their way and force their way. And when you, you mentioned all the oversight, all the other organizations and all the institutions that we have to, um, we have to answer to and provide yeah. this great oversight and cast a vision and deal with our public. So, do you have some tips for that learning curve? Um, well, uh, A, have a growth mindset because you're going to make mistakes <laughs> without a mind. But it, in the governance, uh, you know, it, at the end of the day, um, you have to trust the, the team. You, you, as I'm reminded, we have one employee, superintendent. And so um, great organizations, you lead with trust. And so you have to trust the superintendent so it's not our job the biggest thing in the challenge is that you it is such a complex um what i want to call ecosystem that you can get into the weeds very very quickly and that's not our job our job is to um, provide guidance and and basically set direction but not get into the day-to-day -day. and i um even myself which i know that going in that you still, because I mean, if you have some great, because uh, everybody serves on the board, you know, I have the utmost respect for anybody that volunteers their time. And um, from, you know, from PTA and local schools all the way up to school board. But it's hard to transition. I've seen it uh, in my short time. I've seen it myself and I've seen it with other people. It is difficult to make that transition from being in the day-to-days, helping just feet on the street, the governance because governance I, I treat it as more of uh, I have to simplify things to, to get my head around some of these things so I kind of treat it almost a little bit like um, like a Supreme Court I guess what I put it because our job is to oversight and when I need something or we need something you ask for information and your responses are either yes no or I need more information but you don't see courts getting involved with the going into a school and getting the tactical, what's going on with this or what's going on with this football team, you have to stay at that higher level. So um, it's a gray area from when it comes from governance. But what I found is that if I keep a mindset is that it's, um, I'm here to uh, render a yes, no, or, or opinion on things, but it's not to get in to the um, day to day that I have to, or we have to provide um, guidance, but not get into the day-to-day -day tactical steps. And you got to lead with faith and trust your leadership. 
That's really good. Um, We could be new best friends. That was a great answer. I mean, not that we're having you on the spot necessarily, but uh, it is very important to me. Governance is very important. It's very different. And you come from, when you come from such a, um, you have such great experience to bring to the board, sometimes to not be able to use what you know works somewhere else. That can yeah. be challenging. So I, I'm really also interested in what your approach is or like what you've, so you've learned quite a bit the last eight months. Yeah. What are some of your goals going into the summer? We have Summer Leadership Institute. I actually have a session on governance versus leadership. I'd love to have you come and oh you, know, you, can, you could facilitate a, a table conversation or something, but um, especially since I know you align with my, my views on that, that would be helpful. But even those who don't, bringing them along to see how we can work together as a team of eight. What are some of your goals for this summer? Um, how will you stay with that growth mindset? Um, well, the goal for the summer is that um, we're, the facts are we're gonna have a bunch of kids that we've got a gap. And um, again, I've, I've been uh, very lucky to be surrounded with some phenomenal other board members and a superintendent that I think, uh, you know, to tutor on horn, I think we've got the best one in the state. So we'll, we'll raise the bar of everybody else's school district. Um, but the, the net fact here is that we got kids that are months behind due to COVID. And, you know, the longer we let that linger, the longer that gap. I mean, when we talk with our teams, the, the, you know, it's not like you're going to start in second grade and we're just going to pick up at first, you know, first grade and a half. And so we've got a window of time to hit. And so uh, with the additional ESSER funds, but we weren't waiting on the ESSER funds. We had put together a strategic plan. That is something that I feel like the board members can help with. Mm-hmm. is that we worked with you know, team of eight and we worked with our superintendent to put together concrete, tactical, as well as strategic plans that we can implement and mobilize quickly. Because, uh, you know, three months and, and we're, you know, starting school again. And we're starting school, hopefully, we're getting back to normal. But we've got a window of time to hit. And you had to remove the stigma. Uh, you know, I'm just a plain talking, simple Kid that went to North Texas, um, that you, uh, you know, you, you just don't have time and we've got to implement quickly um, because, uh, you know, the, the teachers are worn out, the kids, the stigma of going to summer school, quote unquote, you know, there, there used to be that stigma, oh, you're having the, you know, credit recovery and all. It, it, we had to reinvent it. It's not that we had to make it engaging and fun and, and make, you know, which is challenging, but that's one of the things our team. So uh, my goal, you know, just for me as a member of a team of eight was that one, let's cover and let's recover as fast as we can. Let's pour as many resources as we can to get these kids back on track. And then, you know, once we do that, um, the things that I, Coming from the technology and innovation and you know uh, growth mindset, there's a lot of good things. You know, the glass is half full. That there's going to be some good things that come out. That uh, I was listening to one speaker, um, Tom Ziegler, and he's got a book coming out in December. But he pointed out that we just experienced ten years of change that was compressed into one year. That that we had people that were. You know, when they asked about, 
when I ran in 2017, I talked about virtual classrooms. I talked about, hey, these are the things that we can help um, accelerate and or give more tools by using video and technology and these other things. And I can tell you that the timing was not right, that, that the uh, community was not ready for that level of change. But luckily, the uh, our district had the foresight to have one-to-one -one, uh, electronic devices and they had the infrastructure in place. Um, so uh, getting and taking advantage of these new technologies this uh, additional funds we're going to get from the federal government. And for me, you know, to simplify it, the thing that I want to get us back and focused on is academic achievement. But academic achievement also, to simplify it for me again, is three things. Is that one, equipping our kids with the life skills that they need. And I mean, from how to manage credit and to understanding budgets to, you know, just basic life skills. Then, Obviously, the number one goal is to make sure they all graduate. So we got to graduate, get them across the stage. And then the third thing is to give them a, a chance of understanding what they want to do for a career. Um, one of my big things is CCMR. I believe that um, from our college education system now, um, the expense of going to college has gotten... Um, where it's unaffordable for a lot of families. And what my biggest fear is that um, my own personal story, you know, I, I graduated from North Carolina High School, went to Richland, you know, which is Dallas College, and eventually ended up in North Texas. I had no clue. I had no clue what I wanted to do. And I find there's a lot of kids like that, that I had no idea. So I go to Richland, I go to what was affordable then for me. Nowadays is that as I walk across and see kids, they were just like me. And it's still, you know, but now they can end up $50,000 in student loans that are unforgivable, that you cannot dismiss them in a, in a bankruptcy court. And that will be hanging over their heads for decades, simply from the fact that it's unaffordable. I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I might have ended up at the wrong spot. So for me, is that how do we handle that strategically? Well, we're addressing everything along the way from third grade, you know, pre-K, third grade, algebra, but it's also giving kids a chance to experience those, those things that what I like and what I might not like down and from a CTE level, from experiencing and just finding what, I, what my passion is and hopefully doing that in a high school or upper education environment. Um, because then I, I can basically be in a, a pathway um, earlier. So I know that I'm going to the right spot and then I'm not going to end up with that um, challenge of, of you know, crushing student debt. Um, One thing you, you mentioned, it brings me something I get to do at the University of North Texas. My master's is from UNT. So I was like, every people who are just listening to <laughs> us, I keep doing that, that uh, eagle claw because uh, yeah. it's nice to have a fellow UNT alum. But one thing I do in my, my day job with the university is work with high school students as they transition to the university. And one thing that this pandemic has allowed is us to get to meet people uh, that we normally might not be able to meet because you could pop on a Zoom call with someone. So if someone's thinking they want to be a pharmacist, you could email a pharmacist. Everybody has a pharmacist. Everybody's family knows someone. 
would you be willing to get on a, a 15 minute Zoom call with me and tell me what you do? Because not everyone can get to the pharmacy or even, um, you know, shadow in a pharmacy. Maybe those, some of those things might not be accessible, but almost everybody during the school day could have access to the internet and just pop on Zoom calls and ask people. And I think that job shadowing and asking questions, what does your day really look like? And when a student can ask those questions to a professional, it will help them shove aside things like, I don't want to do that all day, or I thought your yeah. job was this. So those are things that are, those are, those are very equitable and free ways for our students to do that. And so I think that's the one great thing of this pandemic is that it's really opened up opportunities, but we have to encourage our students to do it. And yeah. as professionals, we need to make ourselves available Absolutely. for students. And that's something that can happen anywhere. I have one more question then I promise. Poor Gary, he's probably like, I want to ask something. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm listening. I'm okay. Well, I'm learning. I'm learning okay, here. Yeah. Sometimes I'm on and like I have a lot to ask other times, but oh man, Richardson is known for their robust, rich and robust board goals. Uh -huh. um, you mentioned equity or academics, but I want to yeah. know um, how does equity play into that for you? And when we say um, this all means all, yeah. What does that mean to you? Um, it, it literally means, um, you know, I can borrow from our, our superintendent, Dr. Jeannie Stone, that she reminds us that the day starts with that first kid arriving at school, and then the second one, and the third one, that we're dealing with thousands of, of little individuals. But ultimately, the, the goal that every parent and, and you know, family member is that we want academic achievement for all, all kids, all means all. Okay, so one part of that is that we have an equity gap and an equity gap is, you know, I'm, uh, I come from a data environment, you know, I, I you know, uh, in God we trust all of us bring data. Um, and the data has said for years that we have a group of kids that have, um, have been challenged. And so, um, you know, when we mean all means all, we have a group of kids that are just not uh, having the same opportunities as that all other kids. And, in, and what, what I mean also equity and achievement, we're gonna have kids that are high performing. You know, we're gonna have kids that are underperforming. The thing I like to tell people from the, the business world is that they kind of wanna treat, you know, it as a business. And unfortunately, education is um, way beyond uh, the levels of complexity of a number of businesses. Um, you know, we are trying to do the best we can to get it. You know, if you think of it like what we're producing, it takes us 13 years to produce from beginning to end. And we've got kids from an equity standpoint, they're not uh, being afforded the same opportunities we got to make sure that all kids have those opportunities. So um, I'm very proud of the work that we're doing in Richardson. Um, change is hard. I, I, I live in a, uh, my business environment and has been high velocity change. And um, nobody likes to change. But these are things that is in the absolute best interest of every kid having the same opportunity, the same chance to go and graduate and, and be uh, well prepared for what life ahead of you. Because the challenge we have these days is that, um, you know, with this compressed amount of change, 
And the jobs of the future are not even created yet. And so, um, you know, who knew uh, Uber and, you know, a, a lot of these companies, they just pop out of nowhere. And we got to equip our kids with those chances. So at the end of the day, we got to make sure that all kids have the same opportunity and achievement. And so we got to clear the path. We've got to make sure that those kids who need additional help, additional resources, that they have the same access to AP classes and, and you know, identify and accelerate that. But if they need additional resources and need additional help, make sure that no matter where you're at, you have those same opportunities. Thank you. I love it. I love it. Eric, so I, I'm going to jump back to a previous comment you made earlier, and uh, hopefully I don't. Hopefully I'm not putting you on the spot or anything. Um, yeah. So you had mentioned about getting adoption from school districts on innovation um, a few years ago, right? Yeah. And I have another podcast focused on digital transformation, and and I saw the same thing happening with businesses a few years ago, right? Um, yeah. Now this innovation, I don't, I don't think that's going to go away. I, I, I think that's a mindset shift that's continuously evolving, not only in education but also with uh, districts. Uh, for example, like right now, um, I'm with a company by the name of Ideal Impact, and we provide funding to districts. Right? It's not your traditional, yeah. it's not your traditional source of funding. It's you know through the government. It's not through the government. It's not. Th it doesn't involve taxpayers and all the stakeholders involved with that. It's basically free money. But there's a lot of districts out there that you know need funding, and it ties back to that equity gap. You know they have students that need funding. You know they have teachers that need pay increases. They have it. They, they need it. Yeah. But they're not willing to have a conversation. So it just – and they're not even willing to explore the opportunity of something different that they've possibly done for forever. Um, yeah. What, what are your do you have any advice or thoughts on that mindset around innovation maybe that could that maybe educational leaders listening in that maybe maybe some because i know you, you have a strong background in innovation as well so i just want to yeah. curious about your thoughts on that um uh, good question um so um if uh, for those that are excited enough to go look at our our rsd board meetings um, they've heard me say this a couple of times, is that there is a window of opportunity that I feel that, that we can take advantage of because we've been forced um, through a pandemic to address a lot of things that we, we didn't want to change. Um, I think somebody asked about um, how long do they think it would have taken for um, school systems to take on Zoom and digital classes and they said, without a pandemic, would have taken 10 years. And so the point being is that we have a window of time, I think, before we get back into our old habits, which is okay. You know, I, I don't be just change for change sake. There's a lot of good traditional things when you look at, but it's also that window of time when we need to maybe do the why not. You know, we just abruptly changed, but you know, the thing I can so proudly say is that we saw just thousands of kids and teachers and school systems that I bet you before pandemic had said, hey, you would have been able to, to pivot and, and go instructional online or co-seat, which I know was not fun and it was hard, but we had complete school systems 
pivoting and changing and getting um, changes made. So we got a window of time to take a look at this. And so the while we've always done it that way, commentary, um, that's for me, uh, unfortunately, my, my ears perk up when I hear this because either I, I want to honor the traditions and, and help me understand so I can honor those, or it may be the time to go, well, okay, but why not? Let's, you know, can we can we take a look at new things? Because we have to, the, the thing I try to explain to other people and, and school systems, the, the challenge in school boards and, and just educating our kids, you know, they always hear this comment of out of the box thinking. Well, out of the box thinking means you've got unlimited resources, you're just pie in the sky. What I've, I've learned from some leadership is that you need to think of, of inside the box thinking, you know, that how do we get all kids academic achievement? How do we address, you know, the, the equity issues that we're, you know, we're addressing because we needed to? And that comes into also looking at uh, innovation from expenses and, and looking at new ways to be more effective. It, it is a time for us to take a look and, and the community I think is now the time is right, that they will listen and look. And I don't think there's anything that's off the table. If it helps us get to the goal of academic achievement for all kids. And I, I like saying, and we prepare them with the life skills they need. They graduate with you know, the best academic opportunities they can. And we give them the pathway to the, the careers in, in college or military whatever their their talents lead them to awesome eric for those listening listen in uh eric's got a extensive background in innovation and i just appreciate you sharing that for for other educational leaders that are listening in right now and i know we're running on short on time here um any any last thoughts before we close out eric um I, I appreciate the, you know, uh, I guess I've, I've been uh, drinking the Kool-Aid, as you say, so I'm a huge, if you want to change the world, you know, help help kids and help our communities with education, because it, start, it all starts there, and, um, you know, so I, I'm uh, very humbled and honored with the opportunity to serve our Richardson community, and, and anybody wants to you know, listen to me and share my ideas with them and have a dialogue. I'm all here. So I'm, I'm uh, you know, I got two new friends and, um, you know, hopefully I'll, I'll get to keep, you know, meeting other great people like you guys. Well, thank you for running again. I, I, I That's so inspiring when someone um, is defeated and they come back at it and they're committed. And um, that's so I commend you for that. And welcome to this wonderful work of board service. It is, it's truly one of the most um, remarkable leadership journeys you'll ever experience. And so welcome. And I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting to meet you in person soon and working with you and learning from you too. Um, likewise, I, I'll, uh, I'm looking forward to more conversations and uh, innovative ideas. You know, time's, it's time for change. It's time. We, we pivoted so fast. We can do, we can, we now know we can do it. We might as well. That was a great word. Thanks, Corinne. Thanks, Eric. Uh, before we close out, uh, just a final word from our sponsor, Ideal Impact. Ideal Impact provides funding for school districts and ministries have provided over a billion dollars so far to school district ministries, worked with over 145 school districts and 700 ministries. So if you do need funding, 
for your school district. Um, even if you don't need it, maybe, maybe there's just somebody in the district that maybe you want the funding for something. Uh, maybe it's a scholarship or technology or higher teacher salaries, uh, whatever it is, uh, I do impact would love to help. I'll have a link in the description, schooldistrictfunding.com. I'll have a video message there for you. And, uh, thank you again for tuning in to the educational leadership podcast and stay tuned for future episodes.